Hello, customer experience fans and CX professionals. Welcome to Experience Points, powered by Abtex. I'm Dan Gingas, and we are so excited to have you join us. At Experience Points, you'll watch as our featured contestants answer questions about customer and employee experience and share their insights on how to make your interactions remarkable. We play a series of three games, and each time a contestant answers a question correctly, they win points. These points turn into dollars for the charity of their choosing, thanks to a generous donation from our friends at Avtex, who transform customer experience through CX design and orchestration. I'm Joey Coleman, and I'd love to introduce you to today's contestant. She's the Chief Experience Officer at Experience.com. She's an international keynote speaker and award-winning business leader. And in 2015, she was offered deals from four of the five sharks on ABC's Shark Tank. Friends, welcome to Experience Points, Brittany Hodak. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Dan and Joey. This is very, very exciting. We're not only thrilled to have you, but I want to know what was that fifth shark thinking for crying out loud? I mean, clearly that one was not the smartest one of the bunch. So Brittany, tell us about being on Shark Tank and something that you learned as a result that you think would be useful to our viewers and listeners. So something that I learned was that when you go on a show that's going to be syndicated for a really long time, it's important to think about the fact that you're sort of frozen in time for that instance. So I recorded Shark Tank in 2014 and I exited the business that I was on Shark Tank for in 2018 or 19. And I still now have people reaching out to me every single month because it airs not just here in the States, but all over the world. There's like a hundred countries around the world where Shark Tank airs. And so every time somebody sees it, they think that that is current or they're, you know, Googling like Shark Tank update. So I have every single time the show airs in the United States, I have anywhere from like five to 8,000 people immediately on my website looking for an update about the business and about me. And then all around the world, I'm, I'm always getting like activity spikes. So uh, one thing that I would say I, I've learned for people to, to keep in mind is anytime you do something that's going to be high visibility, don't just think about the immediate aftermath, like what you need to do to be prepared for that first airing. But think about the fact that now this is going to be part of like the canon of you know, your business or your brand. And, and you want to make sure that you're prepared for the people who are going to be coming to you. It's not through any fault of their own that they're maybe like seven or eight or into the future, maybe a decade plus years behind on what's going on. So make sure that you've got a really easy, frictionless way of catching them up without making them think that they've like missed out on some great thing between then and now. Oh, Brittany, I love it. You know, it's not surprising that a customer experience professional like you is always thinking about the lifetime value of those interactions. Absolutely brilliant. Let's play Fake or Fact. In Fake or Fact, examine three similar experiences. Some are real, some are not. Your task is to determine the fake from the fact. Each experience correctly detected is worth 100 points. Three correct answers will earn you 200 bonus points for a possible score of 500 points. Ah, the pressure's on. Now keep in mind in this game, that the three items could all be fake, all fact, or a mix of fake or fact. You ready to play and make some money today? I'm ready. Let's do this. 
All right, Brittany. Well, it seems like almost every brand or store or celebrity or even random person on the street has an email newsletter these days. And while some provide valuable content, many don't, which is why we are such fans of the now legally required unsubscribe button. Now, before someone leaves a list, some newsletters try to be creative in their efforts to get people to stick around. We're going to present three sample newsletter unsubscribe messages for you to consider. I'll share all three, and then you get to decide whether each one is fake or fact. Now, the first one is actually a video from the marketing team with the following message. Okay, I get it. You don't want to hear from me anymore. That's fine. I mean, you clicked on the emails. You know, I, I saw, I, I know you clicked on them. I know what you clicked on. Oh, okay, that sounds kind of creepy. I wasn't like cyber stalking, like I wasn't checking out on Facebook or anything. Like, like I was just, just forget that part. Just forget that part. There was a notification. I didn't even look at it. It just popped up. Well, well it's definitely over. I, I just blew it there. That's number one. Number two is a landing page where you can either confirm your unsubscribe or watch a video of the CEO getting doused unexpectedly with water balloons while in a meeting at the organization's conference room. And number three is a link to an exit video where you're allowed to either confirm your unsubscription or watch a video of boys to men singing their classic song, It's So Hard to Say Goodbye. Those are three potential newsletter unsubscribe responses. It's time for you to decide which ones are fake and which ones are fact. Let's go to that first one, the script from the video that the marketing team would send you that basically ends with, well, it's definitely over. I just blew it because it gets more awkward as the person tries to explain why you were even on the list in the first place. Brittany, what do you think? Fake or fact? And why do you think that? I'm going to go with fake. And I'm not 100% confident in the answer, but I feel like rather than saying I just blew it, there would probably be something at the end uh, funny trying to get them to change their mind. So I'm going to go with fake. Gotcha. Now, one thing I will tell you, Brittany, and we've learned over several contestants here on Experience Points is it's okay to trust your instinct. Don't overanalyze these things. That being said, are you sure you want to go with your answer? No. But I will. I'll take, I'm going to say fake. You're going to say fake. And now I'm overthinking you telling me not to overthink. <laughs> I'm going to go with fake. Going with the answer of fake. Final answer. And oh, sadly, Brittany, Aww. this one's actually fact. This is the HubSpot email unsubscribe from Dan Sally. It's a super awkward video, but nonetheless is a way to bring a little hopefully levity to the unsubscribe process. Don't worry, we've got more questions to go. Let's go to that second one where you have the option to either unsubscribe or see a video of the CEO getting doused with water balloons while in the conference room. What do you think, fake or fact? I'm gonna go with fact. You're going to go with fact. Okay. And the answer is yes, indeed. Fact. Fantastic, Brittany. This yeah. is actually the unsubscribe button for Charity Water, an amazing nonprofit. The CEO, Scott Harrison, is a really playful guy. And you can either unsubscribe or if you stay on the list, watch a video of him. We've got some still shots and screenshots you can see of the video. It's a crazy fun video and a great way for their brand personality to come out. Let's go to the last one. We're one for one. Let's see if we can take it over the top. 
You get to that unsubscribe and it's a video of boys to men singing their iconic It's So Hard to Say Goodbye song. Brittany, what do you think? Fake or fact? I'm going to go with fact. You're going to go with fact on this one. Are you sure? Yes. All right. You've got a chance. You can, you can adjust the answer if you want. All right. I'm going to go with fake because I feel like you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't be trying to take toys away from kids by getting me to change my mind. So That is good logic. And we are big fans of the kids. I know Joey loves kids. And while I imagine boys to men are big fans of the kids as well, the answer is fake. You are correct. You got that one right. Although I feel like anybody who isn't doing that that's watching this video should 100% make that their unsubscribe now. I love it. It may have been fake today, but it will certainly be fact tomorrow. Can I tell you my favorite unsubscribe that I've seen lately? It was, well, it was actually, it was not an email unsubscribe. It was canceling a subscription to a SaaS product. And I got to the page and it said, pick who you want to fire, our CTO or our CMO. It was like, who screwed up? Who should get fired because you're opting out? And you know what I did? I was like, I'm going to pay for this for a couple more months. I like these guys. This is funny. That's great. And you know what? It's like we're saying in the game about trusting your instinct, which now we've learned you shouldn't do all the time, only some of the time. But I love that, you know, that they got you to actually change your mind through that for a little bit of of old fashioned guilt. But hey, whatever works. So I think the point of this discussion and of this game is really about the fact that every communication point along the customer journey offers us an opportunity to create an experience. And yet so many times we neglect to do that because we have a, a very standard unsubscribe. You've been unsubscribed. We don't take any opportunity to be creative or different. Have you experienced anything um, either in the companies that you've worked with or, uh, or just even as a consumer, a uh, great example that you just shared, of other ways that communication can affect the experience? Yeah, absolutely. So right now, I'm the Chief Experience Officer of Experience.com. And I love to say that experience is everything, meaning CX and EX are the number one way you can both future-proof your business and also set yourself apart from competitors in your space. But also, everything is experience. Every email you send, every social post, every unsubscribe button is the opportunity to really let your brand voice shine. And if you miss that opportunity, as you said, you know that's really unfortunate because you're not doing anything to set yourself apart from your competitors. Oh, so true, Brittany. And you know what I think is interesting about brand voice is so many brands worry about going too far with their brand voice. They worry about creating a personality when the reality is your customers are humans. They like humor. They like playfulness. They like those type of interactions that show that you have some real personality or you have some real flair behind the scenes. Can you talk a little bit about how to walk that line and really make the brand voice unique and capture the human spirit of the employees who are working for the organization, not just kind of the staid corporate speak that so many of us have become familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think part of it starts with understanding what it is that your company is doing and who your customers are and when you're talking to them. Like if you are operating funeral homes, probably not the time to inject humor or comedy into the brand voice, right? But most of us aren't dealing with with life and death situations, and and we're not necessarily dealing with customers who are coming to us for some sort of complaint resolution most of the time. So it's finding that right mix of, you know, how joyous you can be. 
I'm a huge fan of empowering your employees, letting them know that it's okay to let their personality shine. I am not a fan of signing communications with the company name or attributing anything to the company because companies don't have feelings. They can't communicate. They're not people. They can't apologize. That's a big one. I hate it when people apologize and sign it with the name of the company. So I am a huge fan of letting all of your employees inject their own personality into the interpretation of your brand's voice. And a company who does an amazing job of this is Chewy, my favorite online pet food retailer. And from the instant that I made my first purchase at Chewy, I was hooked because I submitted, I was buying prescription dog food online for my dog. And there was a a message that said, you've got to send us the prescription authorization from your vet for us to fill this order. And so I sent a really bland email that was just, hello, here's the prescription authorization, thanks. And the email that I got back was so full of personality, was so much fun. They mentioned my dog Bear by name, which I hadn't done in my email. It was on the prescription. Uh, There were all these fun puns like, You know, we're here 24-7 to offer a helping paw, just give us a bark. The email was signed over in snout. They welcomed me into the Chewy family, just like all of these fun little things that you can do in what you might not be thinking as marketing space, but it absolutely is. Anytime you're interacting with your customers, it's an opportunity to share that brand voice and make an impression. You know, it's funny, Brittany, because I think you must have, uh, in your sleep at some point, seen one of my uh, keynotes because, number one, I always talk about Chewy, and it is the one brand. I'll share 12 different brand stories in a keynote, and it's the one brand that when I get off stage, people come up to me, and everyone has a Chewy story, and everybody loves Chewy for a different reason. But also, what's kind of humorous is, true story, the reason why I stopped doing live Q&As on stage was because of a woman that came up was, of course, the most excited and ambitious person came up to the microphone to ask the first question. And her question was, I work for a funeral home, so my customers are dead. How should I focus on customer experience? And I was like, uh, yeah, you got me there. And so after that, I started saying, hey, maybe we'll do the questions off stage and, uh, and, and not create those kinds of moments. But I love those examples. I want to talk about the last piece of, you know, we're trying to obviously an unsubscribe and in these examples, the idea is to try to retain the customer. But even if you can't retain the customer, can you talk a little bit about leaving them with a chuckle or a smile on their face, or at least a good feeling about the company, because maybe the company isn't for them at this moment, but they still have the possibility of being a referral source or something down the road. Yeah, exactly. And that's so important, right? Like a a no today is not a no forever. It's also not a you're never going to be right for anyone I know at any time. So leaving on good terms. It's like if you're in high school and you're dating the kid who has the awesome pool at their house, like you don't want to end things on bad terms, right? Because even if you're not going to go to the prom together, you probably want to go to some of those pool parties with your friends. So doing everything you can to preserve the relationship, to remove the friction. Because you're right, just because somebody isn't a customer doesn't mean that they can't refer lots and lots of qualified people to you. And you know, I'm always of the opinion that an unsubscribe is not a bad thing. Give me 100 engaged fans, over 100,000 followers who are apathetic any day of the week. When people are unsubscribing, all they're saying is, I don't need what you have to offer right now. It's not a, I hate you, go away forever. So don't worry too much about unsubscribes. 
And if you can, interject some humor or use it as an opportunity to learn a little bit more about what was the purpose of that unsubscribe, right? And, you know, we've all seen the standard like, oh, I didn't sign up for this list. I got more communication that I thought I was going to. I'm not interested anymore. Use those questions and those prompts as the opportunity to learn a little bit more about why you're seeing exodus from your list if it's an alarming amount. Oh, I love it, Brittany. So many great ideas there of how to make the most of every interaction and to not read too much into a customer's behavior without taking the opportunity to explore why they made that decision to leave you, to unsubscribe, to purchase, to not purchase. Absolutely love the wisdom and the insights there. All right, Dan, let's recap how Brittany did playing fake or fact. Well, Joey, in this game, correct answers are worth 100 points. And Brittany answered two questions correctly, which means she earned 200 points. These points converting to dollars, which means Brittany earned a $200 donation to Toys for Tots. Congratulations, Brittany. Yay, thanks, Dan. Let's play What Happened. In What Happened, listen to the first half of a real customer experience. Choose between two possible endings to complete the story. Answer correctly for 200 experience points. You will have the opportunity to earn an additional 50 points for each insight you share from your own experiences. Okay, so here is our story for what happened. Stacy bought photographs from a digital image company over the course of a year to use on her blog and in her social media posts. She paused the service during the COVID pandemic and after a few months received a notice from the image providing company that she needed to renew her membership in order to keep the images she had already purchased, including the ones that she had used on her blog and one she hadn't even used yet. She asked the company if she could first use up the images she had already purchased, but not published, and then she would be happy to renew her subscription to the service. What happened? Here's option one, Brittany. The digital image company said, no, we have a policy. Stacy needed to renew her membership to be able to keep the images she had already purchased and to be able to access new ones. They wouldn't budge. And if she didn't act quickly, she would be in copyright violation for the images she was already using. Okay, that's a pretty bad option. Option two. The company said Stacy could continue to pause her membership as long as she paid 50% of the regular rate in order to maintain access to and usage of the images she had already purchased. They wouldn't discount things any further, and if she didn't act quickly, she would be in copyright violation for the images she had already used. So, Brittany, you've heard two pretty bad options for what happened. Which is the one that you think shares the way that the story actually ended? Was it the, it's our policy, we won't budge, or the, we'll give it to you at half price for pausing, but that still doesn't feel very good either. Gosh, what? This is like the worst ever version of Choose Your Own Adventure. You guys remember Choose Your Own Adventure book? It's like, choose your own adventure, but there's something terrible waiting behind door number one and door number two. Okay, because in the setup, you said this is during COVID, I think I'm going to go with option number two because there was so much terrible CX last year around companies thinking that they were, you know, being generous by having some sort of COVID policy that was actually even more infuriating than if they had no COVID policy at all. So to me, the we're going to discount this by 50%, but oh, by the way, we're still going to send you a cease and desist 
sounds like something that I've heard a lot of times. So I'll go with answer number two. You're saying that because there was a COVID policy in place, the 50% is, is indicating to you that that's the COVID policy. And yet the first one is really, well, we don't even have a COVID policy, right? We're just staying with our existing policy, even though we're in the middle of a pandemic. So there, there are sort of both bad, but is that how you were thinking about it? Yeah, that's kind of how I was thinking about it is because specifically in the setup, you said she paused because of COVID. I don't know. Should I change my answer? <laughs> I love the way you're trying to play the host, Brittany, to see if you can get some clues for what the actual answer is. I know. Um, okay, I'm going to go with number two. Okay. Joey? Unfortunately, the answer was actually number one. Yes. It's our policy. They wouldn't budge at all. Even during COVID, they would not change their policy. And I think you thought about this correctly, Brittany. Uh, and it is tough when there are uh, two really bad choices. Absolutely. Well, you know, Brittany, we've heard how not to create a remarkable customer experience. If you were in charge of customer experience for a digital image company like this one, how would you structure the response in the situation to create a better customer experience story? Well, I'm so bummed out. Here's, you know what I'm going to do to make me feel a little not so bad about choosing the wrong answers? However much Toys for Tots doesn't get because I got the answers wrong, I'm going to just donate. So that way I feel like there's like less pressure on me for the rest of the show to get them right. But I think what would have been, honestly, anything would have been better than the it's our policy answer. But there are so many things that could have been done here. First of all, this sounds like an exchange that took place over email or chat. The first thing that they should have done is tried to get on the phone with this customer to really understand what was going on. They should have made sure that the customer understood the policy and that they were actually licensing pictures for a short period of time rather than owning them. Because if the customer really did own these pictures, they should have that license in perpetuity. So they need to really make sure that they're doing a good job of educating customers because if this customer, Stacy, took the time to explain the terrible experience she was having, there were probably lots more customers who also didn't understand how the policy was written and structured and were also in violation of this license. So they should definitely be reviewing that policy. Now, one thing that they could have done with Stacy is say, talk to me about your needs. Because of COVID, are you publishing fewer blog posts? Has your situation with childcare changed? Do you have a little one now who you're taking care of at home or helping do Zoom school that you don't have as much time to write? Basically, it's our policy is the worst answer anyone can give any time. So pretty much anything else they could have said would have been better. I am always a fan of empowering your employees to think beyond the policy. Policies make sense until they don't. They're good guidelines until you've got the person who says, well, I can't jump into the pool to save the drowning child because there's a sign that says no one in the pool after 5 p.m. So you've got to really educate your employees and empower them to know when you have to follow the policy and when you can bend the rules because there are extenuating circumstances. So for most companies, what I recommend doing is empowering every employee to just make it right or make a decision below either a certain dollar amount, so they can make it right if it costs less than X, 
or for customers who meet a certain set of criteria, which honestly is pretty much any customer that you have. But especially if you're talking about somebody who has been with you for, it sounds like a year, um, that's been paying into this, uh, into this membership, there should have been an intervention to make sure that she felt valued as a customer, that the terms and conditions were clear, and that you know the, the correct answer is we value you as a customer we're so happy to have your business. We know you could take it anywhere else. Here's how we're going to work together with you to remedy this situation. And to Stacy, I would say, Stacy, maybe go check out Unsplash where you can get some great images for free and no one's going to be a jerk to you. I have to tell you, Brittany, I love your metaphors. That swimming pool metaphor, which just kind of rolled off your tongue, was outstanding. That was that was fantastic. So great answer. Uh, definitely think that you've got the uh, the right ideas on on how to make the experience better. It is unfortunate, especially during a time like we've been in in the last year, that there are companies that either, as you say, have created. COVID policies that really don't go far enough, or in this particular case, that refuse to even adjust their policies knowing that their customers are going through difficult times. I think that your ideas were were particularly great. I, I love especially the idea of talking with Stacy to understand her situation, because Stacy's situation may be very different from Jennifer's or Stevens. And there might be different solutions for different people. It doesn't have to be the, the problem with a policy is, the, is that it doesn't have to be one size fits all, but it often ends up that way. I'm just wondering if you might talk a little bit more about the empowering the employees, because I thought that was a really great idea. Give us some either an example or, or just a little more color around how companies should go about doing that. I think everyone watching this show probably subscribes to the theory that employees are never going to be able to provide better CX than they receive and see modeled within the organization. And that's why EX is such an important foundation and really the only foundation for a great CX program. And in order to get your employees to buy into a service first mentality, you've got to make it matter to them. You've got to make them feel empowered and you've got to really connect them with the customer. So when there's this divorcing of responsibility by just saying like, well, this is our policy or you've got to talk to a supervisor or I have to transfer you to someone else, you're not empowering that employee. And I mean, everybody knows the Ritz-Carlton example, right? Where every employee can spend up to two grand to make any guest feel welcomed at any time. I don't think it's necessary for companies to say, you've got $2,000 to make anything right. But I do think as standard operating procedure, every single employee in your organization should know where their authority extends to, what they can do to remedy a situation, and also that they're not going to be reprimanded if they make a decision that isn't necessarily the decision the manager made. Because you never want to put an employee in the spot of trying to read the mind of the manager or the supervisor who would have made the decision and tried to do the right thing. What you want to do is say, these are the values of our company. This is what we believe. Make the best decision you can at the time with the information you have, and we will support that decision. And that's the way that you really make an EX program come alive is by making everyone feel like they're a part of it and they're empowered to do the right thing to preserve or even improve the relationship with the customer. 
Brittany, I love that. I think it's so clear when we step back from the situation to see that employee experience or EX and customer experience, CX, are two sides of the same coin. As you improve one, you certainly improve the other. And as you take one down, you certainly take the other down as well. Two questions for you, if I may. Number one, could you speak a little bit to how in some of the organizations you've worked with, you've handled the employee who does make the mistake, who tries to correct the situation, but maybe does too much or goes too far. You mentioned you don't want to reprimand them. I get it. But how can we use that as a teachable moment? And secondly, could you speak to the issue of the power of retaining customers from a financials point of view. You know, one of the interesting things about this story, I thought, was this is someone who's on a subscription and they were willing to lose the customer forever instead of delay the revenue just a little bit. And we all know how hard it is to get a customer, but it's actually, I would posit, even more important to actually keep the customers that we've worked so hard to acquire. Absolutely. So to the first question, how would you deal with an employee who went a little bit too far? Here's what I've learned about EX. Almost every time a situation like that happens, it's not a people problem. It's a process or a systems problem. It's very likely that the reason there was some dissonance between what the employee thought was the right answer and what the supervisor thought was the right answer is because there wasn't a clearly defined set of boundaries to operate within. So if it's something where there's like flagrant abuse by an employee because they did something to hook up their friend, then that's one thing. But but most of the time, it's an employee saying, oh, well, I must have interpreted this loose set of guidelines differently than you intended. So when something like that happens before going to address it with the employee, make sure that if you put yourself in that employee's position, you weren't setting them up for failure from the get, right? It wasn't like a lack of system or process that led to this problem because in almost all situations, it is. It's because you weren't clearly defined. And that's why I think like with the Ritz-Carlton, they say you've got $2,000 per guest. Did you spend $1,700? Great, you're not in violation of the policy. Did you spend $2,700? Well, you might be, but let's talk about why you went above and beyond. Did you have a good reason? Great. That's okay. You didn't. Oh, maybe not. Okay. Next time, don't do that. You know, Brittany, the first job that I had out of college was at a company called the Danbury Mint that sold high-end collectibles, plates, dolls, figurines, etc. And they had a really interesting employee policy, which was that you can make any mistake once. And if you didn't learn from the mistake, then you were in trouble. But basically, it was a guaranteed get out of jail free card for the first mistake. And I remember the guy sitting next to me. No, it really wasn't me, Joey. I know you're going to say, oh, guy sitting next to me. No, really was the guy sitting next to me ordered these four color brochures, beautiful, expensive, you know, because it was a direct mail company. And he added a zero to the order. So like instead of 100,000 pieces, he ordered a million pieces. And this was a fair, I mean, the cost of this mistake was more than his annual salary. And sure enough, our boss came by. I heard it because he was in the cube next to me. And the boss came by and said, I trust this will be the only time you make that mistake. Yes, sir. And he moved on. And I thought it was a really good policy and, and one that I would advise other companies to use. If you do have that situation where maybe the, the agent is too generous or answers it in a different way than the manager would have, 
you have them learn and you don't make it such a risk that they don't feel like their their job is in jeopardy for making a mistake. I know there were two parts to Joey's question. So would you like to get to the second part? Sure. Well, first of all, Dan, that is an amazing story. And you're right. Employees are never going to perform at their best if they're worried about a mistake costing them their job. And that's why I love that policy because you're empowering employees to think for themselves. And by doing that, what you're doing is being able to quickly identify the employees who are exceptional, who have those leadership qualities. And that's when you think about what upward mobility within the company looks like. So every company should have an internal growth and retention plan. And by giving employees a little bit of leeway to fix mistakes, you'll very quickly see the ones who are truly exceptional. And to the second part of Joey's question before about thinking about the LTV of a customer rather than an individual sale, you're right. It's so important, right? It's don't make a sale, make a customer for life. Create a relationship that's going to last forever, that's going to have a customer part of the family. I remember when I was a kid, I was probably like, I don't know, eight or nine years old, and we lived in a small town. And my dad was mowing the yard with a push mower and the push mower died for like the final time. Like he was trying to get it back together and he couldn't. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to just go buy a riding lawnmower. So we packed up in the car. We went to, I think it was Sears. And my dad was so excited to get a, you know, a riding lawnmower, like the only place we could go get a riding lawnmower in town. And they wouldn't sell it to him because the one on the floor was the last one they had in. And they said, no, you're going to have to order one. It'll be a few days. And my dad said, I don't need a lawnmower in a few days. I need a lawnmower now. And you've got this one right here on the floor. And they said, well, we can't sell it to you. And my dad said, why not? You sell them in a box and then there's a fee for assembly. Why can't I just pay you the assembly fee for this assembled mower? And then when you get a new one in three days, you can build that one and put it on the floor. And we were met very much with the, well, it's our policy. And my dad was so mad that we left the store. He didn't get the lawnmower. We weren't allowed to shop at Sears forever, like for years. It wasn't just my dad was like, oh, I can't buy craftsman tools anymore. It was like my mom couldn't take me and my brother to get Easter shoes or soccer clothes or whatever from the store because he was so mad that this policy that seemed to make no sense at all that was not customer facing, you know, an exception wasn't made when my dad had said, well, I'm happy to pay the assembly fee. I'm happy to even pay you more. And you know, it's a store model, like you're, you're going to be replacing it with a brand new one. I just need a lawnmower today. So yes, you always want to be cognizant of not just the lifetime value of that customer, but the potential lifetime value of all of the other customers that you might be losing before you ever meet because of the story that's going to be shared by the customer who has been scorned. Like everybody in their immediate network that's going to come across that story in some way who doesn't already have an opinion about your brand, that's now going to be the opinion that their brain goes to first when they're asked to think about your brand. Totally agree. And I would say that even the best LTV calculations don't even take that into consideration. So whatever long-term value you have calculated is probably understated. So great points, Brittany. Joey, let's recap how Brittany did playing What Happened. Well, Dan, in this game, guessing correctly what happened earns you 200 points. Regrettably, Brittany didn't get the right ending of the story, but oh my goodness, did she have some fantastic insights during the discussion. Now, each of those insights is worth 50 points. When we add up all of Brittany's great ideas, she had 10 fantastic insights. That leads to 
500 points. We convert those to dollars, which means Brittany won $500 in a donation to Toys for Tots. Congratulations, Yay! Brittany. Outstanding. Let's play Think Fast. In Think Fast, you will have one minute to answer five experience questions. For each question, you must quickly choose between two possible answers. Correct answers given before time runs out are worth 100 points. Five correct answers will earn you 500 bonus points for a possible score of 1,000 points. Wish you the best of luck. Are you ready to get started? I'm ready. Let's do it. So for today's Think Fast, we're going to be talking about the 2020 QSR drive through study. Yes, QSR stands for Quick Serve Restaurant, and this is a study about the experiences that happen at the drive through Brittany, are you ready to go? I'm ready. Fantastic. Dan, give me 60 seconds on the clock, and here we go. Which fast food restaurant received the highest overall experience score, placing first in six of seven categories? Was it Chick-fil-A or Panera Bread? I'm going to go with Chick-fil-A. Whose menu quality reigns supreme, McDonald's or Wendy's? Wendy's. Which ice cream restaurant has the faster service, Dairy Queen or Culver's? Dairy Queen. Which coffee company has higher order accuracy, Dunkin? or Starbucks? Starbucks. And what was the highest order accuracy score recorded? Was it 95% or 99%? I'm gonna go with 95. Wow, that was fast. Let's see how you did, Brittany. The first question was, which fast food restaurant received the highest overall experience score, placing first in six of seven categories? Was it Chick-fil-A or Panera Bread? You said Chick-fil-A, and that was the correct answer. Great job. One for one. Yay. Unfortunately, that's the only answer I felt good about, so it could be downhill from here. I, for one, Brittany, am feeling good about a number of your answers. And I wrote the question, so you should feel fairly confident about that. Whose menu quality reigns supreme? You said Wendy's. Clearly, Wendy's is the right answer. Great job. Two for two. Then we asked you which ice cream restaurant has the faster service. You said Dairy Queen. It was Culver's, unfortunately. So close. You had a 50-50 shot on that one. I'll be honest with you. I'm a DQ fan myself, so I would have chosen DQ as well. You know what? I've never been to a Culver's. Like in my head, I, I was trying to think, is that just ice cream or is it ice cream with other stuff? But they don't have Culver's near me. And I was like, well, if they do burgers and, you know, I was like, maybe they're slower because there's more stuff that people are ordering that's complex. So then we asked you which coffee company has higher accuracy. You said Starbucks. Let's get it back in the wind column. Starbucks is Yay! correct. Props to the Duncan in my neighborhood for always getting my bagel and or donut wrong, which was the inspiration for me choosing Starbucks in that answer. And finally, we said, what was the highest order accuracy score? You correctly figured out this was a bit of a trick question. No one can be 99%, but 95 was the highest and, uh, and great job there. So awesome work, Brittany. Brittany, you did a fantastic job on Think Fast. Let's talk a little bit about this because some of our viewers and some of our listeners may be thinking, friends, what does a quick service restaurant have to do with my business? I don't operate a drive through How could I take this game and apply it to my day-to-day -day operations? But the reality is there are many 
aspects of customer experience that your customers will judge you on, even in a drive-through. And interestingly enough, in this research, they had seven different components that they were looking at, including something like the speed of service. Could you speak a little bit to how in this day and age, speed of service really matters when creating a remarkable customer experience? Yeah, well, speed of service is important regardless of the industry you're in because very few customers want something later, right? We live in a now world. And it's interesting that we started with Chick-fil-A at the beginning because they do such a great job. As you said, they ranked top in six out of the seven. And anyone who's ever been through a Chick-fil-A drive-through knows this. Everybody probably remembers the memes from the end of last year saying, give the vaccine program to the people who run the Chick-fil-A drive-thrus. They'll figure it out. They'll get everyone vaccinated immediately because they have it down to a science. And I also, another example I love from Chick-fil-A drive-thru is a viral tweet from a few years ago where somebody said they were in the drive-thru line at Chick-fil-A. They were crying. And the Chick-fil-A drive-thru person said, do you want chocolate or vanilla ice cream? And she said, no, I ordered a Dr. Pepper. And the girl said, you clearly need ice cream. Do you want chocolate or vanilla? And gave this woman a milkshake and completely turned her day around. And it was because, you know, the person had taken the time to see the woman was upset and empowering your employees to do little things like that can take what seems like an experience that doesn't matter, right? Seems like an afterthought and really turn it into something that can affect your customer's day in a positive way. I am a huge, huge proponent that every single interaction that you ever have with another human on the planet, whether it's in real life or virtual or over an email or a text exchange, anytime there's an exchange of energy between you and one or more other people, that experience for the person on the other side of it is going to be one of three things. It's going to be a net negative, a net positive, or a net neutral, meaning they're going to leave that interaction feeling better, worse, or exactly the same. So to the extent that you can focus on turning every interaction that you have into a net positive, you are putting so many wonderful ripples out into the universe. You're quite literally making the world a better place one experience at a time. And drive throughs are a great example of how you can have someone in the scenario to do that. And it's easy to think like, oh, it's just somebody working the drive through But think about how stressful it must be to work a drive through right? Like I, I always have such empathy for people doing that because I know I would be way too frazzled. You've got like, They're trying to listen to the headsets, they're punching buttons, they're delivering food. I am shocked that there was a 95% accuracy because I promise you, I could never be 95% accurate at that job. So creating an environment to where it's not just about being accurate and delivering the food, but also leaving the person in the car with a little bit better feeling than they had when they started is a great way to focus on those net positives. Yeah, Brittany, I want to comment on two things. First of all, when I worked for McDonald's corporate, I actually had the opportunity to spend a couple of days in a restaurant. And I did work in the drive-thru and it is really hard and stressful. So it definitely gave me some appreciation for it. But the other thing I wanted to comment on was this idea that every potential interaction has some opportunity. I definitely think that's true in customer experience. It's also true in real life. And you know, my teenage daughter sometimes criticizes me for this, that I tend to be a friendly person even to strangers. And she's like, oh, dad, don't do that. And I was in Costco the other day, and there was this woman who was pitching the Costco brand 
facial tissues. And she was, she was, you know, yelling her speech over and over again. They're on sale. They're so much better than the name brand. You got to do you owe it to your nose, blah, blah, blah. And I, not only did I buy some, but I noticed that everyone that was walking by was buying them. So I walked up to her. Thank goodness my daughter wasn't there. She would have been mortified. And I said, boy, I should hire you to do sales for my business. You're fantastic at this. Well, P.S., this woman was only working at Costco part-time because she's actually, are you ready for this? A customer service speaker. (laughs) And so we connected and we got onto a Zoom call and now we're trying to help each other out because we're in the same industry. So I love that. Here's a funny CX story. I actually don't shop at Costco because of a terrible customer experience I had when I went to try to go sign up for a Costco membership. So when my husband and I moved to Tennessee a few years ago, we said, okay, we need to get a membership at either Costco or Sam's. And they're like half a mile away from each other. And I had always shopped at Sam's stores growing up because there wasn't a Costco nearby. And so we said, okay, well, let's just go check out the Costco. So we went there one morning and said, hey, can we take a spin around the store? And we were told, nope, absolutely not. It's members only. And we said, we know, but we've never been in a Costco and we want to probably get a membership. Can we just like take a look around to see, like we've heard our friends say it's not anything like Sam's, but we don't have a reference of what it's like. And and the woman said, nope, you can't, sorry. And I said, okay, like, I guess we'll just buy a membership and roll the dice. So I give her my card to pay for the membership. And she says, oh no, I'm sorry, we only take Visa. And I was like, what do you mean you only take Visa? Like, what? And she was like, yeah, yeah, I think it was Visa. Like whatever credit card it was, that there was like one that they would take. And she said, or you can use a debit card. And I was like, who shops with debit cards? Like, there's no points with debit cards. So, you know, I said like, all right. So in my head, I'm like, okay, it's been 45 seconds. Here we are. It's strike two. And whatever the annual membership cost was, it was like, there was like a $50 version and like a $100 version. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to start with the $50 version and maybe I'll upgrade after I've had the chance to like walk through your store. And there was like this high pressure of like, well, you really need the $100. And I was like, no, I'm good. I've literally never been in a Costco before. I just want to buy this with my backup credit card to like walk through your store and see what it's all about. And 15 minutes later, after I'd been asked if I wanted to like buy some cruise discount and like, oh, by the way, we sell tires. You should talk about the tires. And here's the vacation plan. I was like, you know what? I'm out. Like I'm done. It should not take this long. Like I am begging to give you money. I just moved here. I'm sorry. Goodbye. I turned around and I went to Sam's and I got my Sam's membership. And especially now because of COVID, I spend thousands and thousands of dollars at Sam's every single year because I buy everything in bulk. I get everything delivered. And now because of all the great stuff on sams.com, it's not just like toilet paper and paper towels that I'm buying in bulk and all the things for my kids. It's like I bought a $500 trampoline. I bought a $500 water slide for the backyard, like all of these things. I'm probably close to $10,000 now that I've spent at Sam's since I moved to Middle Tennessee that could have maybe gone to Costco had they done a better job of making me feel welcomed or making me feel appreciated. And they did neither one of those things. I felt so unwelcomed. I will never buy a Costco membership because of the terrible experience that I had. So I feel bummed that I am not going to get to go see the Costco lady um, in the store. But unfortunately, it's like, it's one of those things. Like I draw the line, like you didn't want me as a customer. Cool. I don't want to give you my money. What a story. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, here's the interesting takeaways that I have from that story. Number one, It sounds like it's a little bit of a connection back to when you played experience points, what happened when we were talking about policies 
getting in the way of experience. You know, a lot of those interactions of, no, you can't walk through the store unless you're already a member, sounds like it was a policy that that person was trained on. I'm not sure, but at least that's what it sounds like from here, as were some of the things about what credit card could be used and what things had to be pitched. I think one of the big challenges that any business faces is how do we navigate the difference between having policies that get our businesses to operate well versus that idea of speed of service, that idea of friendliness of the staff, that idea of are you delivering a great experience? And as you so artfully articulated, there was a clear financial benefit to earning your business as a customer and the lifetime value of your experience as a customer was certainly going to carry much longer than that single first visit. So definitely things for all businesses to keep in mind. Dan, we've had a great conversation here, but let's recap how Brittany did playing Think Fast. Well, Joey, as you know, correct answers in Think Fast are worth 100 points each. And Brittany answered four questions correctly, which means she earned 400 points. Now, our good friends at Abtex are going to convert those points into dollars. So Brittany has earned an additional $400 donation to Toys for Tots. Congratulations, Brittany, and thanks for playing. Thank you. And thank you, Abtex. It is incredible that you're making these donations. And I really appreciate it. And you're going to spread a lot of joy to a lot of children a few months from now on Dan's birthday. So true, Brittany. Well, that concludes this episode of Experience Points. Check out more games with Brittany and our other celebrity contestants at experiencepointsgame.com. That's experiencepointsgame.com. We'll see you soon for more examples of remarkable customer experiences here at Experience Points, presented by Avtex.